Welcome back to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. During these next couple of weeks, we will be posting sermons that were given at the camp from previous summers. Our speaker for today is Dr. Carl Herbster. This was recorded during Southland's family camp in 2004. His message is entitled, Having the Mind of God Concerning Government. I think it's only appropriate for this being the 4th of July weekend that we talk about the mind of God concerning government. Now we learned that the first institution that was established by God was the family. And family should have priority. But God also established government. And uh, man said they wanted a king. God said, I want to be your king. But man said, nope, I want to have my own king, just like the, the other kingdoms of the world. So God gave them a king. And ever since, we've been under government. And government is ordained of God. Good government or bad government, and you study the book of Judges, you see some good ones and you see some bad ones, and it's ordained of God. And we need to know how to properly respond to government if we're going to have the mind of Christ. So I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at several verses tonight. But we want to begin in Romans chapter 13. And we have a, want to have an understanding of government. Do you know this is an election year? Have you, have you been bombarded yet? Well, if not, you will be bombarded. There'll be a lot more coming your way. And we have a responsibility, even in an election year, to make sure that we understand that we, the people, are the government. Just like we talk about the church being the people, we, the people, are the government. I like what the president says. Let's let the people keep more of their own money. I like that. I like it that he understands it's our money. The government doesn't have any money. The only money the government has is that that we give to them, and it's our money that they, they are using to accomplish things for the good of the people. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. And the Bible tells us a lot of responsibilities that we have toward government. And as we celebrate the 4th of July, praise the Lord for the freedom we have in the United States of America. And praise the Lord for the freedom we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to have the 4th of July on the Lord's Day? Because after all, that's where we've gotten our freedoms. We're endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. And in God, we do trust. How should we respond to government? Look at Romans chapter 13, starting verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Then drive the speed limit. I'm mean, Excuse me, that wasn't in there, was it? Do that which is good. I was helping the teenagers out there. And to do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Go over to First uh, Timothy, I mean First Peter, chapter two. I want you to see again in First Peter, chapter two, a similar concept given to us. First Peter, chapter two. We'll read verses thirteen through fifteen of First Peter, chapter two, verses thirteen through verse fifteen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. 
For so is the what? Will of this is the mind of God that we ought to be said. This is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. God wants us to obey our government. That's the first thing we need to understand. God wants us to obey our government. Government was established to bring good upon those that do good and evil upon those that do evil. I've spent a lot of time involved in trying to make a difference in our community, in our state, and in our country. And there's five main issues that I usually will tell people that we need to be concerned about because they're biblical issues. I say you don't get involved in, in politics, you don't get involved in personalities, but you do get involved in principles, biblical principles. And there's a lot of biblical principles at stake today. And by the way, what's a biblical principle? Class A. From which we make young people work with them. You know, they'll, they'll get it if you, if you help them out. But it's a general truth from which we make specific application. That's a biblical principle. And I believe there are five main issues that we ought to be involved in when it comes to this whole area of government. When it comes to these biblical principles that we ought to be involved. Number one, we ought to be pro-God. Would you agree with that? Religious freedom is a very important issue that we ought to be involved in. We ought to have the freedom to worship the way we want to worship. We ought to have the freedom to raise our families the way we want to raise our families. We ought to have the freedom to educate our young people the way we want to educate our young people. We ought to have freedom in this country to come together and assemble however we want to assemble. Pro-God. Number two, pro-life. Is that a biblical issue? Life begins at... That's why I can say I have ten grandchildren. You know, one's going to be born maybe this weekend, but I and technically I have had 11 because we've had one of our girls that has a miscarriage, and I believe that child I'll see in heaven. Because life begins at conception. And so pro-life, how can you vote for a candidate that's not pro-life? I mean, you've got, to, you've got to understand that God is the giver and the taker of life. That is a biblical issue. And we need to stand on that issue. Number three, uh, pro-morality. Pro-morality. How important for us is, it is for us to understand that we have a society that's giving up on the battle for decency. I'm involved in a new organization called Advance USA. Advance USA and Advance stands for Americans Defending Values and National Conservative Efforts. We need to defend the good old-fashioned religion of this country. We need to get back to some good do's and don'ts. We need to be, not be afraid to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. And we need to stand for those things that are decent. Where is the National Organization of Whiners? The NOW. Oh, I know they call themselves the National Organization of Women, but I call them the National Organization of Whiners. Where are they on the pornography issue? You talk about uh, something that's destroying women and taking advantage of women and exploiting women. Where are they on that issue? You know, they, they need to understand that's a biblical issue. And we need to be involved in that issue. We also have pro-family. I don't think it's government's responsibility to take care of my children. I, think it, I don't think it's the school's responsibility to take care of my children. I don't even think it's the church's responsibility to take care of my children. You know whose responsibility is to take care of children? Parents' responsibility. Families. And we need to have a family-friendly government. Let me give you one more. Pro-justice. Pro-justice. Praise the Lord for Attorney General Ashcroft. Governor of our state, good Christian brother, who's taken a righteous stand 
in the um, Justice Department. The number, you know, everybody mocked him and laughed at him because he, he wouldn't serve alcohol in the governor's mansion in Missouri. Praise the Lord. They laughed at him because he wouldn't take a dance at the inaugural ball. He went over to the piano and played, but he wouldn't dance because he, he just didn't believe it was right for him to dance. Praise the Lord. People laugh at him because it, they say, hey, what are you doing? You know, trying to pray in the attorney general's office. Hallelujah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I praise God for an attorney general that understands who's the final judge. And we need praise God. And the Bible says that government is supposed to bring good upon those that do good and evil upon those that do evil. Sometimes they get it messed up, don't they? Sometimes they get turned around and have a tendency to bring evil upon those folks who are seeking to do right instead of bringing evil upon those people who are seeking to do wrong. God makes it very plain that government has a responsibility and we the people are the government and we need to make sure that we obey the law. And I do not believe it's right to disobey the law to change the law. Now I know some promote civil disobedience and there may be a time when you obey God rather than man, even the disciples. If they told me I couldn't preach, I'm going to have to obey God rather than man. If they tell me that I have to take a life, I may obey God rather than obey man. Uh, I, but, but I don't to go out and break the law to change the law. I don't think that it's right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. Did you ever hear that before? Seems like there was an old-time preacher that came up with that, that went around the country yelling, Do right! You know, something like that. Do right till the stars fall, I say. Do. And he said there's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. I don't go violate the law, the law and, and, and block uh, entrances to abortion clinics, even though abortion is murder. But it's still wrong for me to disobey the law. There's other ways of getting that job done. My wife uh, proved that when they tried to open up a, in a place, an establishment uh, in our community that was going to be exploiting young women. They put the cookie patrol together and put uh, the placards together and went out and just started walking in front, didn't block it, but you know, and just talked to the, some of the men that would try to go into that establishment and little by little the press picked up an idea on it and next thing you know they were having a, a hearing at the city hall in Blue Springs and next thing you know they had more people there that would fit in the chamber all outside and next thing you know a law was passed that outlawed it and the same law went to Independence and to Lee Summit and praise the Lord, we keep that stuff out of our community. You know, there are right ways to go about making a difference in the society in which we live without disobeying the law. Our responsibility, according to God, is to obey government. We are to obey our government. Hold on. We're also supposed to pay our government. I'm sorry. I have to tell you this. But we are also supposed to pay our government. We, the people, are supposed to take care of their... Turn back to Matthew. I want you to see this. Because we should obey our government... But secondly, we should also pay our government. Matthew chapter 22, look what it says in verses 15 and following. Matthew chapter 22, starting in 15, verse 15, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, going after Jesus, as they always were doing. And they went out unto him, their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore. What thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. 
And they brought unto him a penny, and they said unto him, Whose is this image in superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, read it with me, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Go back to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and let's look at verse 6 and 7. Romans chapter 13, verse 6 and 7. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. God says that we are to pay our taxes. We are to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. We have an accountant in our church who teaches some um, financial seminars to our people, and he says it this way, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and not one penny more. In other words, get a good accountant, I think is what he's saying. Figure out ways that you can give to the local church and give to the cause of Christ rather than giving to the government. I have a feeling the local church will do a better job with it than Uncle Sam will do with it. What do you think? You know, he's saying, yes, we have to pay our taxes, but aren't you thankful that God has given a tax exemption and has given a tax benefit and a deduction to certain charitable works? You know why we've done that? Because our society felt, felt it was best for, for charities to flourish, for the work of God to flourish. And every time a tax bill comes along, they try to take that tax advantage away. And by the way, the Bible doesn't ever say that we should get a tax credit. The Bible never says that we should get, you know, some hard, uh, tax deduction for our charitable contributions. And I hope it wouldn't matter whether you got a, a charitable contribution or not, you would give your tithe and your offerings to the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't give it to get a, a tax write-off. I give it because I love the Lord. But I praise the Lord that yes, we pay our taxes, but we have the opportunity to be able to also then be in a situation where we can get some benefit. But there's more than just paying our taxes. I think we should also pay our respect to those that have authority over us. I think we should pay our taxes, but I also think we should pay our respect to those. Give honor to whom honor is deserved. And I know sometimes the personality doesn't deserve the honor. Were you as just frustrated with the Clinton heiress as I was? And I, I don't know, care what political party you are. I don't care what state you come from. Doesn't matter to me. But there were terms that you had to start talking to children about that you should never have to talk to children about. We should be simple towards those things that are evil. But sad to say because of what happened during the Clinton years. But I'll tell you what, even though you might not have been able to respect the man, you need to respect the office. By the way, you want to see my Bill Clinton verse? That this was these, some of you might have had this verse, I don't know, but Psalm 109 in verse 8. Psalm 109 verse 8 said, Let his days be few and let another take his office. That was it. And praise the Lord. I, I'm thankful for what has happened and what has taken place in our society. And I praise God for the leadership that we, we have now. And the Lord has sustained us through some difficult days. And you're going to recognize sometimes some leadership, whether it's in your community or whether it's in your state, or whether it's in our country that really doesn't deserve our respect because of their actions or their attitudes, but God says we need to give honor to those who have authority over us. And we need to respect the office. I'm so glad that President Bush outlawed blue jeans from the Oval Office when he took over the presidency. 
Ronald Reagan wouldn't go into the Oval Office without a suit coat on because he respected the office of a president. And he, he respected the Oval Office, and it was uh, kind of destroyed. I don't know if you heard the story of, of George Bush and one of the reasons he really decided to run for president. But he was at church with his parents, uh, George uh, Sr. And, and Barbara Bush, and the preacher was preaching on the sins of a society and what can happen and how our society has gotten so far away from God and how we need to re restore respect to our, to our nation's capital and we need to have decency and honor in our nation's capital and somebody needs to step up and, and lead the nation back into a decency and righteousness in our land. And on the way out, they were walking back to the car and Mrs. Bush, Mrs. Barbara Bush, said to her son George, said, George, you know who the preacher was talking to today, don't you? And George said, what do you mean, Mom? She says, you know what I mean, son. And he said, I started to think about running for president when Mom said, you know who he's preaching to. You know what? Probably thought about a lot of things when Mom spoke, knowing Barbara Bush. <laughs> but praise the Lord that we understand that there should be some respect for the office. Hey, I'll tell you what, young people, it's the same thing with a pastor. It's the same thing with a teacher. It's the same thing with a police officer. Yeah, I, I don't call them all those names that are out there. there are need, we need to pay proper respect. It's more than just paying our dollars and cents. We're also supposed to pay in proper respect. You see, we have a responsibility before God to obey our government. We have a responsibility to pay our government. But hold on. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Because I also believe, I also believe we have a responsibility to sway our government. We have the responsibility to be salt and light in the world in which we live. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ himself speaking. Verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth, what's the next three words? Good for nothing. Good for nothing. How would you like God to call you a good-for-nothing Christian? When we lose our saltiness, when we lose our distinctiveness, when we no longer are impacting our society and our world for Jesus Christ, you might as well say we're good for nothing. Because that's why we're here. Young people, that's why you're in your schools. That's why you're in your youth groups. That's why God's putting you in a particular cabin to minister, to make a difference. And if you want to make a difference, you've got to be different. We can't just be like the world to change the world. You'll never change the world by being like the world. I mean, this world's going the wrong way. We've got to go the right way. Take some people with us. We've got to be salty. Ye are the salt. He goes on. He says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, would you say it with me? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need to sway this government. We need to help them to understand that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people, even the United States of America. You know, let me say some things about salt. Are you familiar with salt? You know, there's three things I want you to remember about salt. This is the way we're supposed to be as Christians, salting. Number one, salt preserves. Did you know that? Any Southerners here? Any of you like Southern ham? Have you ever seen a, a ham, a, a big old uh, ham hanging in the smokehouse with the salt all packed around it? 
Ever been to Cracker Barrel? You know what I'm talking about? Getting all those big slabs of that salty ham. Why do they put the salt around it? They put the salt around it to preserve it. Folks, we're here to preserve the nation. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? It didn't take too many righteous folks for God to preserve the nation. And I think it's by the grace of God that this nation is still being preserved. Praise the Lord, there's still a remnant. Praise the Lord, there's still some people that got that good old-fashioned religion. They're going to stand for righteousness in a wicked and perverse generation. And God has withheld judgment, I believe, because of some salty Christians. But you know what? Salt also disinfects. Did you know that? I don't know if any of you had a mother that wouldn't buy the fancy products that just give you the salt water to gargle. Yeah, you didn't have the best breath maybe, but I'll tell you, it'd kill the stuff. You know, salt will, will disinfect. And you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to disinfect. We, we, we had a Hooters restaurant. We have this big development going on around our church. We found out that a Hooters was going to try to build down by our church. And so we went to work and, um, you know, tried to do everything we could to keep from uh, seeing that Hooters restaurant built. We went to the city council. We got written up in the paper. We got mocked on the radio. I mean, because, oh, come on, it's one thing to be fighting against. I know you fought against that, that uh, girly place in your town and you won, but I mean, this isn't anything too bad. What's too bad? All we did was went up on the Internet and some people printed out some stuff and told us what they were trying to promote, how they were trying to get people in. We, we went, and I wish I could tell you we won. I, I wish we could tell you. Hallelujah, we won a few things. They can't have some of their competitions out in the parking lot, and they didn't get to put the big aisle up there and all the other things that they're doing. We won a few things like that, but sad to say, just down below the crosses of Tri-City Baptist Church is a Hooter restaurant. But I'll tell you what, God never called us to win, but God told us to try. And God called us to be faithful. And I'll tell you, anything else comes there, we'll fight again. We'll take our hits in the press. We'll take our hits because, you know, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my name's sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Greater is your reward where? Not on earth, but greater is your reward in heaven. You know, we need to disinfect our community. We need to do everything we can. And even though a lot of people thought we were kind of, you know, come on, not that bad. Why are, you, why are you fighting something like a lot of people said, thank you. Thank you for standing up against the evil that would come on. And I'll tell you, folks, we're getting desensitized to sin. And we need to continue to speak out and do all we can to disinfect this society in which we live. But let me tell you something else about salt. At least in my opinion, salt improves. Right? Good Kansas City strip steak. Hereford House. By the way, they just built by our church, too. So we got it balanced off a little bit. You know, and you know, big old Kansas City strip, you know what I'm talking about, steak? Some of you young people don't know what I'm talking about, except the tube kind we had tonight. You know what I'm, I'm talking about? But you know, steaks are good, but I mean, just a little bit of salt spices it up. Tomatoes. You, how do you eat tomatoes without a little bit of salt on them, right? You know what I'm talking about? That salt doesn't take a lot of salt to spice things up and to prove things. Listen, folks, we should be improving our society. We should be doing that. We should be making it, it better place to live not a worse place to live we should be the kind of christians that are good neighbors not bad neighbors good employees not bad employees good citizens not bad citizens we should be making a difference in the society in which we live because we ought to be salty christians but he also says we should be the light of the world we should be the light we should be a city that's set on let me tell you three things about light 
Light directs. Light directs. How many of you have a car that has headlights on it? May I see your hands? Oh, good, good. You probably wouldn't buy one that didn't have one. Why do you want a car that has headlights on it? Because when you drive in the dark, you want to be able to turn on the lights and you want to be able to see where you're going. It'll direct you. Have any young people ever been spelunking? Do you know what I'm talking about, spelunking? You know, spelunk, cave exploring. That's what, am I telling it right? Okay, thank you, young people. I've got to keep these adults up to speed here. You know, that spelunking, you know, where you go out and you get into a cave. Have you ever gone to one of these caves and they, they put you into the cave and then they turn all the lights off, they shut off all the flashlights and everything? Let me ask you, you can't see the nose in front of your face, can you? I mean, it is dark. And aren't you glad when the lights go back on? Or have you ever been thrilled to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Right? Of course, you don't know if it's a locomotive coming your way, but at least, you know, you got got some hope. For the, because that light in the t- will direct you how to get out. Or if you're in a, in a cave and you don't have the lights, but you see a little light on the distance, it shows you. It's pointing you to where you go to get out. We need to be setting the direction in this society. Where are the prophets in the land that are standing up and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Study the Old Testament prophets. We had them in the land. But now we get afraid of the ACLU. We get afraid of uh, separation of church and state. Listen, folks, separation of church and state was never to keep the church out of the state. Never. It was to keep the church, the state out of the church. It was to keep us from having a state religion. And the historians, the revisionist historians today are changing history and changing what the law is. We need some people to stand up and say, this isn't the right way. This is the right way. And you see, light directs, but something else light does, it exposes. Right? Aren't you glad for lights in your house when you get up in the middle of the night for that late night snack because you just can't make it through the night without a bowl of ice cream? You know what I'm talking about? Isn't, boy, isn't it wonderful here at Southland that they have both ice cream and popcorn at the same place? I mean, you don't have to go shopping far. You know, you can get it. Man, you can sleep like a baby. You're crazy. I mean, I'm glad to be an urban liver. Now, I grew up in the country, and if you ran out of ice cream, it was a long drive. But now, you know, you go down, and you don't see any ice cream in the, you know, refrigerator, freezer. You know, you can just go off to Quick Trip and, you know, get a little bit 24-7. You know, it's there for you just to get you that ice cream so you can sleep a little bit. But aren't you glad when you get up in the middle of the night, you can flip on a light, and you don't fall over all the toys the kids have left out or all over the clothes that you've left out? Because the light exposes things. You know what? We as Christians ought to be exposing the sin in our society. We as Christians ought to be exposing the false prophets in our society. We ought to be exposing the positions of those who say one thing and do something else. We have a group of people in Washington, D.C. we call rhinos. You know what rhinos are? Republicans in name only. Rhinos. And if it wasn't for the rhinos in the Senate, we would get the marriage amendment passed. If it wasn't for the rhinos in the Senate, you know, we would get some judges uh, uh, confirmed. But because they won't take the strong stand, the Democrats are able to kind of overrun them. And I hope that you'll pray that in this next election, we'll expose some of those people and won't be afraid to get rid of them in the primaries so that we have some people who are true conservatives. There's nothing wrong with us exposing Nobody wants anybody to see their voting record. It's amazing how they cover it and try to run. It just happened to be absent when the vote was taken. Oh, I'm sorry. I would have been there. No, you wouldn't have. 
You're just trying to cover your true position. You say, we need to expose these people and, and let people know where they stand. I mean, it just blows me away when we start to hear that uh, John Kerry has a worse voting record than Ted Kennedy. More liberal. Now, I don't know who you're going to vote for president, and that's your choice, but I think you ought to at least know the facts. And then you have to determine for yourself. But there's nothing wrong with Christians standing up and saying, this is the way it is, and exposing the true light. You know, it's amazing. If politicians are good politicians. They're just trying to confuse you, and it's amazing how conservative some people get when they go back home to their local district compared to what they are in Washington, D.C. when they vote. I don't care how charming they are. It's not their personality or their political party you ought to be concerned about. You ought to be concerned about their positions. Where do they stand on the issues? And we as Christians ought to speak the truth in love, but we ought to make sure that they're exposed when they vote wrong. And then you know what else? Christians illuminate. Light points out things. Light illuminates. And we should point out those things that are good in our society and let people see. We, uh, when you drive I-70 and come by 470 there in Independence, Missouri, on the east side of Kansas City, you look up on the right and you'll see up on the hill three crosses that are lit up. One of those beautiful sights when I go home. I'll always love to drive by there and just think, boy, what a privilege it is for me to pastor this great group of people and be here. And what a privilege it is for me to know the Savior that hung on that cross. And what a joy to know that uh, I can expose people to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and we can exalt the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever until Jesus comes again. And uh, it, it stands out. Now, if, you, if those lights aren't working, sometimes they're not, and I get on the phone call and find out what's wrong, you can't see those crosses. But the light, when the lights are shining, it points out those crosses and you can see them and it illuminates it. And you know, we ought to be illuminating the good young people in our society. I'm tired of the news always talking about the bad young people in our society. I think it's time for us to let people see the good young people in our society. Well, I love uh, seeing Christian school groups going to Washington, D.C. and going and seeing their senators and congressmen. That's why I like to see the home educators so actively involved, taking home educators, walking around the halls of, of uh, Congress and letting them see some good young people. We got a lot of good young people that love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's illuminate them. Let's exalt them. Let's let people see what God can do in life. How wonderful it is even to see uh, some people that get bad press on college campuses actually um, finding out that because of the bad press, more families are sending their students to the school because they said, man, I didn't know a place like that existed. You know, Bob Jones University got a lot of bad press. A lot of bad press. And uh, it was amazing. It had all these cameramen and everybody going on the campus and shooting pictures. And guess what? People were getting impressed because it's because they saw some students that looked like they were enjoying life. And they looked like they were decent, clothed, and in their right mind. You know, it was just kind of shocked people. And you couldn't bought that kind of, yeah, in the world it wasn't good press, but for some parents that were really concerned about their young people, you know what happened? I've talked to the leadership personally. They got more requests and had the biggest freshman class coming in that they had ever had. After all, that isn't it amazing. They meant it for evil, but guess what? God meant it for good. We need to, we need to let people see. The young people, a lot of different college campuses, Christian campuses that are doing a great job with young people. And we need to expose them to these young people. We need to, you know, you know that's what salt and light does. And I'll tell you what, it sways people. 
when we're salt and light. It can cause them to actually vote different. It can cause them to think different. And guess what? It can cause them to be different. I can name you at least half a dozen congressmen that I know have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because people that have been involved in government. I hear these people all the time say to me, Herbster, you spend too much time messing around with government. You know, we need to be out winning souls. May I tell you something? Everywhere we go, we ought to be winning souls. And I'll tell you, you want to find lost people? Get involved in government. They're there. But praise the Lord, God's remnant is there too. And it's so encouraging right now to see a president who names the name of Jesus Christ as his Savior. To see a Speaker of the House who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. To see a Majority Leader of the House who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. To see the Head of the Senate, the Majority Leader in the Senate, who gives personal testimony of his born-again experience coming to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Folks, we've got an unusual opportunity before us right now. And we've got to be salt and light to make a difference. We need to obey. We need to pay. We need to sway. And number four, you know what it is. We need to pray. We need to pray for our government. Say it with me, Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my... We forgot something. I fooled you. What, what is it? And turn from their wicked ways. Don't forget it. You know, I hear people quoting that all the time. And they'll quote it without turn from their wicked ways. I, I set you up. But if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Go to 1 Timothy. It says it so plainly here. In 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy in chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll start reading in verse 1. We'll go through verse 4. 1 Timothy 2 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness in us and honesty. He's, he says, listen, it's going to be good for you to pray for these people. Pray that they'll stay out of your life. Pray that they'll allow you to have freedom. Pray that there'll be people that understand that, that God is the giver of freedom. He says that you'll live quiet and peaceful. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's the mind of Christ that we pray for these. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Listen, folks. Freedom opens up the opportunities for evangelism. And the United States of America has been a free country. And the United States of America has been the nation to send missionaries all around the world. What will happen if the United States of America no longer is a free country and no longer is sending those missionaries? What will happen? God's will is that all men will be saved. And he says, we need to pray for those who are in authority over us, that they will allow us to continue to have that freedom that we will continue to have those peaceable lives. But may I say something to you? I don't even think we should pray for those who are already in government. I think we should pray for those we want to be in government. What year is this? An election year. 
And oh yes, I think we ought to be out there finding good candidates and getting behind them and working for them. But I also think we ought to be praying for them. I don't know if any of you were involved in the last uh, presidential election with the Pray, Vote, Pray campaign. People advancing Christian education, an organization I was involved in, put out buttons, was Pray, Vote, Pray. And we challenged people to pray and to vote and then to pray. And we didn't know that we'd have Florida debacle. You know, didn't understand how important it would be to pray, even for the Florida. But we, we said we need to pray, we need to vote, and we need to pray. And we were praying that God would show mercy upon this nation and God would allow us to have good leadership in this country. And God would give us the opportunity to see revival break out in the land. And folks, we still need it. And we need to keep praying for it. Because we have not, because we ask not. Do you have some people that you're praying for? Do you even know who's running for office in your area? Do you know who your congressmen are? Do you know who represents you in your state house? You can't pray for people you don't know. Well, get to know them. And guess what? When you tell them you're praying for them, they'll be thankful and they'll remember you. And guess what? They'll even maybe call you sometimes and tell you about things they want you to pray for. It is amazing. I go in and visit with congressmen or senators, and I always finish up having a word of prayer. I've never had someone yes, yet say, when I said, may I pray with you, Senator? May I pray with you, Congressman? May I pray with you, Governor? And they'd say, nope, don't pray for me. I've never had anybody say that. And many of you have probably heard that the thing the President of the United States appreciates most about going out and seeing the people is all the people that say we're praying for you. Hallelujah that people are praying. And we need to continue to pray for those that are authority over us. We need to continue to pray for this nation. We need to continue to pray that God will be merciful to us who are sinners. Because we deserve judgment. But so far, God has showed us mercy. And we need to continue to pray for the mercy of God. On 9-1-1-01, life changed in this world in which we live. My wife and I were at the White House getting ready to meet with uh, some of the White House officials along with leadership of the American Association of Christian Schools. I had gone into the White House to meet with the staff and get things ready for all the other state leaders to come in when down the hallway came security running, evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Where were you on 9-11? You remember probably. Most of you probably remember. I remember. You talk about an experience. Being rushed out of the White House, uh, seeing the smoke at the Pentagon, hearing sirens everywhere, all traffic stopped. I thought it's a little bit like what the rapture's going to be like. When Christians are caught away and crashes are taking place everywhere, nobody knows exactly what's going on. I mean, I did. I sensed a little bit of that. But we went on the sidewalks out around the, the White House and leadership of the American Association of Christian Schools and started praying with different people and had groups together, prayed, not knowing what was going on exactly, knew that there had been a couple planes into the, 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 the World Trade Center and seeing that the smoke or not trying to listen to some of the new, but we prayed and we prayed and we actually had to walk back to our hotel because nothing was moving. I thought, boy, life changed. And for a little bit, I thought maybe God was going to get our attention. I thought maybe God's going to get our attention. A year later, we went back to the White House with the leadership of the American Association of Christian Schools, and President Bush came to thank us for praying with his staff. He said, I just want you to know it was just such a blessing to have my staff members coming to me and sending me notes about 
all the prayer that was taking place around the White House on 911. And I want to personally thank you. The next day, he was going to the United Nations to speak to try to get the world to go after uh, Iraq and Saddam Hussein. And he says, I'm coming to you. I know you'll be praying for me tomorrow as I go and speak. And I want to thank you for your prayers of the past and prayers with my staff. And I want to ask you to pray for me tomorrow in the days ahead because we have a long battle ahead of us, the war against terror. He gave his testimony and of course people gave him a standing ovation as in the back of the room as the standing ovation was taking place all of a sudden somebody started to sing God bless America land that I love will you sing it with me? Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with falling. God bless America. My home, sweet home. I'll give you another chance. Hold on. Because as they started to sing, and as the president was starting to walk away, he turned around, looked at the flag, put his hand over his heart, and started singing with us. I had the privilege of being in the front row and being able to watch his face as the tears came running down. I'll never forget that moment. As we all prayed in song, God bless America. Folks, that's what we need all across America. Christians that understand the mind of Christ, that God has especially blessed this nation. And he wants to continue to bless this nation. If we will obey government, if we'll pay our government, sway our government, and pray for our government, God can continue to bless America. I believe, until Jesus comes again. Would you stand with me and pray again that great prayer, God bless America. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. Through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with stone. God bless America. My holy sweet home, God bless America, my home sweet home. you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray for our nation? Thank you for listening to today's message. 
We hope that the truths learned from the Word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make Him known through your life. Join us tomorrow for the next message. Thank you, and may God bless you.